Hello, and welcome to Beyond Prospecting, the Apper podcast, featuring thought-provoking conversations with prospect development and fundraising experts. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, I'm going to be talking today about how we are stewards of the data and our organization. We talk a lot about the stewardship cycle in the stage of cultivation, but what I'm actually talking about is caring for the data at our institution. I often think about this in terms of Downton Abbey, where the Crawley family talks about their role as being stewards of the land. We, in research and various aspects of um, various roles in advancement services, play an important part in caring for the data in our database, as well as um, our paper files um, and any documents on our network. Um, so I'm actually going to think about this in two different ways. Our best practices for how we handle data entry and maintenance in our system um, and filing and what have you, um, but also how we go about protecting key information about the institution about our institution and the individual's constituents at our institution. So why is this important? Well, we want to make sure that there is transparency in the work that we do um, and that we respect both our institution and the donors to our institution and that we maintain a level of security. Um, we, Depending on your institution, you may be already thinking about this in terms of HIPAA requirements, um, red flag regulations, um, donor access to files, and what have you. Um, why do I think that this is an important role for research to play? Well, I think it's because we touch the data in many different ways. Um, and we have a level of concern about the data, how it goes into our system. Um, and our colleagues view us as experts about the data. Um, so what do I want to say about um, how we set our business practices for entering information in our systems um, and tracking it. Certainly our research data, we want to make sure that the work that we do is replicable, um, that somebody can go back and understand what the original source documents are that we've used. Um, obviously, I don't think anybody uses the APA style of attribution, um, but I have come across older research um, at various institutions where I've worked at where um, there's information put in place but the dates are not affiliated with it. So, for example, market value on a property, there's no date for what that market value is listed at. So, um, you certainly want to be able to make sure that you are um, giving enough information so that future research, future researchers and readers of the information will understand within the context of the time 
that the information was put in place um, and also be able to track down an origin, the original source material. For example, if you're referencing something from a news article or a website. We also want to make sure that the information that we're putting in um, is it is clear when we're talking about facts and when we're giving our opinion. Analysis is an important part of the work that we do, um, but we want to make sure that we're conveying that in a way that we are clear about when we're talking about our analysis um, as opposed to the fact-based information that we're putting in. So just something to keep in mind as you're doing your documentation. Another area that we need to think about in terms of our business practices is how we handle sensitive research information. Uh, we certainly often come across information that has to do with health or um, divorce or maybe even some gossipy information in news sources. Um, so make sure that you have a clear policy about what you document and how you document sensitive information. Some institutions might have a paper file um, separate with the, the more private information with a note in a system to say, please see the research staff for information about um, their divorce or something like that. Um, I tend to go with the uh, approach of if it's something that's factual um, and something that has been documented, write down the facts only um, to a minimum and only what is pertinent in terms of um, the proper stewardship and cultivation of the prospect, only what is relevant to their ability to make a gift. Um, so make sure that you have a clear policy of how you're going to keep track of that kind of sensitive information. Um, we also have a role in terms of being the eagle eyes for our colleagues outside of research. Um, we may be reviewing contact reports um, and sometimes come across information that is sensitive that's maybe not documented in the best way possible. And I think that we in research have a role to play in terms of educating our colleagues about what information should go into a contact report and what shouldn't. Um, and we should play a role in setting those policies. So don't be afraid to speak up uh, when you see something that you think is questionable. So, um, we also have a role to play in making sure that we are protecting our data from outside threats. Um, as I said before, you may have um, already a good guidance in place due to HIPAA regulations, um, and some universities have some important rules in terms of red flags, violations, and how to protect sensitive data. Make sure, no matter where you work, make sure that you have a clear understanding of what is considered sensitive data and what needs to be protected. Obviously, I think we all know that social security numbers are something that 
don't really have a place in the database, um, and certainly credit card numbers and what as well. But there is some sensitive information, such as birth dates, um, maiden names, um, our giving information, medical information, information, and other information such as that, like mother's maiden name, material data points that can be used in a data breach. Um, so make sure that you have clear understanding of what information should be protected, what, what's the sensitive data that if it's on a document, that document needs to be shredded or what shouldn't appear in a document at all. So that's something to um, make clear at your institution and broadly across the department. We've heard a lot about examples of hacking and um, identity, threat, identity theft threats. Um, I think today there was an announcement uh, about a medical provider in the DC area has been hacked um, and some questions about their private sensitive information being accessed. So this is something that does affect nonprofits as well as big organizations, uh, big public institutions. Um, so we may not have a direct role in terms of making decisions of how to protect our data from outside threats. Um, we may not have a role in terms of decisions of are we on the network are we, are we on an internal network with a firewall versus cloud computing? Those usually happen in an IT department, um, but there are things that we need to do to make sure that we are protecting the data. Certainly, um, having an understanding of identifying emails that may be contain viruses um, and educating our colleagues about that as well. Um, and making sure that we are careful in how we access our information outside of the office. So, um, one way to do that is to make sure that you have strong passwords. Um, and making setting up passwords that um, are difficult to hack. So, you know, we all hear that password is the most common password. Um, how do you make sure that you have passwords that are strong? Uh, the ideal password should have at least six characters and include numbers and symbols and a mix of upper and lower case. Um, try to avoid having words directly out of the dictionary. Avoid personal data in your words and having the name of the website or database that you're accessing. Some tricks might be to use a phrase and shorten it down into little bytes, words, letters, um, numbers that sound like words. Um, shuffling, taking two words and shuffling the words so that it's one letter from another word interspersed, um, that tends to be helpful as well. Um, 
so having strong passwords is important as well, making sure that um, you have clear understanding of how you share information um, and access information outside of the office. Um, is, do you have a policy about emailing documents? Do those documents need to be encrypted? It's pretty easy to encrypt a document um, in Word or Excel before sending it out. Um, also, what's your organization's policy about jump drives and using, use of laptops? Make sure that you know what you can and can't do, what's in, what would be a violation. Um, and if you are using email or jump drives, make sure to encrypt those. The, any document that contains sensitive information. What about paper files? Um, make sure that you have a standard of what information goes onto your profile templates, for example, um, and that there's a policy for that all paper documents, all profiles need to be shredded. Um, if you are sharing these profiles, with volunteers, um, consider having a variation that contains less sensitive data, but also uh, making sure that they are educated about um, how to respect the sensitive data. Maybe, ideally, they should be um, signing a non-disclosure agreement and that there's a clear understanding that these documents need to be shredded. Um, and also make sure that you have clear policies for your contact reports. What other best practices are there in terms of protecting your data? Making sure that you have a clean desk, locking your files away. Your files probably have a lock on them. Do you have a key that actually works? Do you make it a habit of locking up your cabinets or locking the door to your office at the end of the day? And spreading the word so that our colleagues do this as well. So these are all important practices to make sure that we are protecting our information and respecting the donors at our institution so that we are putting in information that is respectful in the database, clear information in our database, as well as replicable research information and that we are also protecting the data and all of the information, whether electronic or paper, from outside threats. Thank you very much for your attention and good luck in all of your stewardship approaches. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beyond Prospecting, the APRA podcast. To discover all that APRA has to offer, visit aprahome.org. For links to content featured in this episode, check out the show notes. If you like the show and want to help others find us, please subscribe to and rate us on iTunes. Until next time.